try to reach out to others and help others and listen to their stories. That was one of the main contributing factors to my healing process, and I recommend it to anyone. Welcome to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry. What is a persister? A persister is a little play on words of nevertheless she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. Persister with Candace Lowry is a Castbox original produced alongside Studio 71. Castbox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Persister with Candace Lowry wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give Castbox a shot because I think it's the best. everybody welcome back to another episode of persister this is candace lowry coming at you right now and today i want to talk about anxiety and depression um, because it is very near and dear to me it affects uh actually majority of women are affected by that over men um and it's something that i think more people need to know about and need to be open about and I just want to open up the conversation even though I'm talking by myself in a room um, about the subject because with any illness it's important to talk about it but it's especially important to be open and to feel comfortable talking about something like anxiety and depression because that's all part of the healing process um but it also is really detrimental to your health if you don't talk about it and if you think that you're going through it alone because having anxiety, being anxious, being depressed is already such an isolating feeling that you just make matters worse by not talking about it. And believe me, I know it is so hard to be vulnerable and to really just let your guard down and talk to someone about how you're feeling. And I think that sometimes we forget that mental illness is an illness like anything else. You know, it's something that can be managed. It's something that can be helped with with medicine, with um, meditation, with any kind of um, really medical help honestly and I think that sometimes people forget that you know and I like to tell people you know if you have a broken arm you go to the doctor you know you don't just wait there and wait for it to get better you you need to go get help and the same thing applies with anxiety and really any mental illness in that case um so today we're really talking about my story of being diagnosed with anxiety and depression, but also how you can cope with it and manage it all while being a professional badass, you know? And I think when you get this diagnosis, it can feel really debilitating. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it another day without crying or what if I'm in a meeting and I you know, feel this really intense 
sense of dread and I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So I think through my story, but also through being trained as a suicide hotline um, volunteer, I think that, you know, we can talk about it and I can give you some pointers on how to not only make that first step of getting diagnosed, but also how you can manage it and how you can still be awesome. You know, I have depression and anxiety and I think I'm pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, All right. So, man, I have struggled with anxiety my whole life, honestly. Um, One time, this is really embarrassing, but my first time experiencing anxiety or really it was kind of almost post-traumatic stress is that when I was about five, I think, I was on a ski trip with my mom and a bunch of family friends. And one of my family friends who was, I think, like 18 at the time, um, she wasn't a kid. Um, She wanted to go up on the mountain with me, her, and her sister. And so we were all planning on going up the mountain. It was great. And then they wanted to get in one last run. And so I'm five. I like can't say no, the mountain's about to close. Like the sun was starting to go down. It was around four. The lifts stop at like 4.30 and they wanted to go up one last run. However, one of the girls busted one of her skis and she was having a hard time getting back up, I mean, getting back down the mountain. And this was taking up a bunch of time. I was getting super stressed out because we were in one of those runs where in order to get back to the base of the mountain, you had to go up another chairlift and that chairlift was closing. And so I freaked out. I didn't understand the concept that someone would come get me and they wouldn't leave me on the mountain. And so I was like, screw this. Screw you guys in my jumpsuit as a kid. I was wearing like a unitard ski suit. And I took the lift up and I raced down the hill. I went down uh, one of this black, one of these black diamonds called Flying Squirrel, and I was going a million miles a minute. I was crying. I peed my pants. <laughs> this isn't funny. This is actually this was really debilitating for me. Um, my mom was pissed at the girl who took me up there. My whole family was mad, but I developed this problem where I had this complete, just debilitating fear that things would close. Like I couldn't go to stores before they closed. Mind you, I'm five. Okay. I'm not like 20 here. And anytime something was close to closing, I would get just so panicky. I couldn't breathe. I had to get out of the store and I couldn't just grasp the concept that I would be okay. And that was really my first experience with anxiety. And as a kid, you're just kind of like, okay, whatever, like, you know, this is, my parents are going to take care of me. Like, I I didn't have the mental capacity to just let it roll off. So my parents um, took me to a therapist, and over time, I was able to really get over this fear. And it wasn't until 
in my late teens, early 20s that I started to really feel true anxiety and depression where it's not really caused by anything. And when I graduated college, I was alone. I was really nervous. I mean, after college, I'm sure a lot of you know, it's a really anxious time for anyone. And it got to the point where I was in a really bad relationship. I was off on my own. I had my first job and I slowly noticed that I was gaining weight. I was eating more. I was tired constantly. I mean, it was like I couldn't get enough sleep. And as soon as I woke up and went to work, all I wanted to do was go back to sleep. And I would wake up, I this feeling that I had when I woke up every morning was just an impending doom. It was this feeling of like something really bad was going to happen or that there was no feeling of rest when I woke up. It was like my mind was immediately turned on and turned on rapid fire thinking about all these horrible things that could go wrong. And then it slowly got to a point where I kind of started feeling nothing. It was a weird apathy. Like, I didn't really care about my relationships. I didn't really feel happiness. I just kind of felt numb. And all my life, I thought depression is like, oh, well, you're sad all the time. You're just sad. And this was like my body was feeling the effects and I was losing all feeling mentally. Um, I was making really bad choices and it got to a point where I was just, I couldn't even make it through a meeting without feeling like I was about to start crying. And I would have, I remember one night I had this horrific panic attack where I just woke up in the middle of the night and I had worked myself up so much to the point where I couldn't breathe. And I was, I was with a roommate at that time and I I felt so embarrassed to wake her up. It was two, three in the morning. I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I call an ambulance? Like, what is this feeling? My chest was really tight my head felt like it was like about to implode and I couldn't breathe and it didn't feel like an asthma attack. It just felt like everything was crashing down on me at once. And I called my mom and I said, I'm really sorry to wake you up. Um, It was five in the morning to her a couple hours later. And I said, don't tell dad, like, this is really embarrassing. I can't breathe. Do I go to the hospital? What do I do? And she talked me down. She tried to relax me. You know, I took, I took myself to the hospital because I couldn't completely get back down to breathing normally and being calm. And that was really the wake up call where I was like, okay, something has got to give here. And I think it's important to pause on this moment and say that it is so important that you take that first step. And it is so incredibly hard to take that first step and admit you have a problem. 
You don't want to be weak. You don't want to feel like, ugh, I need someone to reach out and help me. I felt like a failure. Like I couldn't, I couldn't fix what, I couldn't fix myself without having some sort of medical intervention. And so I started therapy. I was doing therapy once a week and it was very expensive. Um, My therapist did not take insurance, but it was so necessary. And I was so lucky to have a family, to have parents that understood mental illness and mental health and were very supportive of me. There were times where I had to fly home because I couldn't even make it through a week without having another panic attack, another anxiety attack. And that's when I started taking um, antidepressants. And it was disheartening at first to think, oh my God, I have to take these antidepressants. Like I failed. I failed as a human being taking care of myself. I can't do it. And, you know, my therapist and my doctor said, you know what? This is a chemical your body is not making. Do you want to be miserable (laughs) or do you want to feel like yourself again? And I just had to suck it up and accept that I could take medicine. It's okay. I'm not a weak person for having to do this. And I mean, I was afraid that I was losing my friends. But on the other hand, like being an incredibly driven person and someone who loved what I was doing and someone who enjoyed my work, I felt like I was failing my work and that I was missing meetings. I was missing time with my coworkers and other employees because I just, I needed a break and I had to take a moment and be forgiving of myself and accept what was going on and know, and know that it wasn't my fault. You know, sometimes, I mean, when we get depressed, when we get anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder, what it's called is that Sometimes things are out of our control. I would rack my brain and think, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I so anxious about things? I have a great family, a wonderful relationship. I'm getting back in shape. Like, what is my problem? And then there was a day where I woke up and I just felt complete peace and relaxation and it was one of the best feelings that I had ever experienced because at that point, I had understood everything that I was missing. Everything that I had forgotten about, what it felt to, this sounds so trite, but what it felt to be alive. And that was a moment where that was a big turning point for me. And mind you, this was all over the course of a full 12 months, full year. The healing process, the recovery process is not easy and it's ongoing. And it was so important to me to experience this because I learned incredible coping mechanisms that I was able to teach other people. I was able to use my work to talk about this issue and luckily I had a job at BuzzFeed where it was very encouraged to talk about mental health and people wanted you to make videos about it to get 
awareness out there and to help anyone who was going through the same thing. And so that was a, a feeling, that was almost a coping mechanism for me in a sense. Um, but I want to take a break really quick now that I've talked about my sob story here. <laughs> but I've laid the groundwork of the experience of being diagnosed with a mental illness, with depression, with anxiety. But now when we come back, I want to talk about how I was able to overcome this and how I'm still experiencing, you know, bad days. It happens. But really to talk about how you can still manage a great life and work life with anxiety and depression. And so um, we'll talk about some coping mechanisms, what I've used, um, antidepressants, but also if you recognize these symptoms in someone else, what to do. Um, So we'll be right back. Thank you everyone for listening. And I just wanted to remind you all to rate, review, and subscribe to Persister with me because it's very helpful in spreading the word and um, getting the show out there. So I just wanted to thank you all again for listening and let's get back into it. All right, everybody, welcome back to Persister. So today we're talking about managing anxiety and depression and mental illness in this crazy social media driven world. Um, A big part of managing anxiety and depression is managing your time on social media. And I know that sounds crazy, but I was recently talking to my therapist for one of my follow-ups and I asked, I just said, do you... I know that my work is a little different where so much of my time is on social media and its numbers are really important, but with clients that you see, with patients that you have, do you notice that social media has a negative impact on them? And she looked up and stopped writing and said, absolutely, it is one of the biggest contributing factors that I've noticed that has been causing an increase in anxiety and depression. And that kind of blew me away to hear from a licensed seasoned professional that social media is having such a negative impact on people. By all means, it it's good for people. You can raise such awareness. You can be so um, positive on social media, but it's also a big place where especially women are put on this, put in this spotlight to where you have to look perfect. You need to have the right makeup. You've got to have all these beautiful clothes. And, you know, people only post the good things on social media. I will tell you that right now. I mean, unless there are those bloggers that are very blunt and honest about their lives, but most of the time, when you see your friends on social media, they just want to show the most amazing time that they're they're having. And when you're sitting in bed, doing nothing, having a bunch of double chins, watching TV, it's not the greatest thing in the world to see. And you kind of feel like a loser. Um, So... I have definitely taken steps to back off a little of social media and just know that the most important thing is what's sitting right in front of me physically. And that is my family, my boyfriend, my cat, and my work. 
and myself. <laughs> we don't want to forget about that. <laughs> but it has truly made such a positive impact on me to force myself to step away, to be present, to acknowledge how wonderful my real physical life is and how lucky I am to have things in my life that some others don't. And I don't need to tell the world about it. Like I was starting to feel verified only through the numbers of likes and follows and it got really out of control and really unhealthy. And that leads me to my next point where when you're in this process of healing, you need to surround yourself by supportive people. And I heavily, I probably annoyed the crap out of my parents, but I relied on my my parents and my mom had experienced anxiety in her past very, very heavily and she was able to help me through the process and I met my boyfriend at that time and it took me a while to really tell him the full extent of what I had gone through, um, but I also had a couple friends that just no matter what, they were always there to listen to me. They were non-judgmental and they were making good decisions. So it's very important to not only keep yourself around supportive people, but around people that want to see you at your happiest and healthiest. Um, And so I knew that there were things that I could control that could possibly contribute to healing Um, and really decreasing my anxiety. And those major things are forcing yourself to get out of the house. Not, I mean, you don't even have to like see anyone or talk to anyone. It's just the act of forcing yourself out of your bed and going to do something. I would just walk to the mall. Honestly, I just walk around the mall. There's something magical about being surrounded by people, even if you don't know them. It just helps you feel alive and like you're contributing or doing something, Um, but also exercising and eating right. There's something so, 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 so impactful about eating right and exercising and not dieting, but treating your body well. And the endorphins that you get after running or doing yoga or anything like that is so um, imperative to feeling better and to keeping your mental health, um, really not normal, but consistent, I guess, and steady. Uh, <laughs> but another thing is that work was very, very, very important to me. And I wanted to be able to prove that I could be at work. I wasn't a problem with my anxiety. I didn't want people to think like, ugh, she's not reliable. She has a mental health problem. And that's something that is very common for people to feel is that it's a chronic illness and and you don't want to feel vulnerable and you don't want to feel like you're less than others or incapable of doing something. Um, So on my way to work and on the way home, I would listen to meditation apps. I would take a second every day, a couple minutes to just meditate, um, to listen. I, one of the 
things that I listened to was called Budify and it has, this is not sponsored. <laughs> um, I just used it because it's a meditation app for any type of feeling. So if you can't sleep, they have specific meditations for that and someone's talking to you or if you're at work and just need a break, they have that. Or if you're just waking up in the morning to make you feel more present, it's just something that you can do for self-help. Um, and I, at that time, I had invested in a personal trainer, and she had actually gone through a lot of mental health crises and, and really was able to be my support system through that. And that is really kind of leading to my next way of helping yourself and your next coping mechanism, which is I wanted to join the suicide hotline and help. And I felt that it would be helpful for me and therapeutic for me to talk to people who are going through the same thing, but not only on the phone, but also know that I was surrounded by a guaranteed support system but also to know that I had a support system every week of people that knew exactly what to do with someone with anxiety and depression and to be in a I don't want to say this but a safe space um and that I it was a four-hour shift every week but that four-hour shift made me think about someone else and not my problems and I remember my mom was really really nervous because she thought that this would kind of trigger me back into these feelings of depression and anxiety and put me in this dark place but it actually did the complete opposite because we had a um, nine weeks of training so every Saturday and Sunday I was in there um, working on really how to become a crisis counselor and within those um, classes I was actually learning more about my own diagnosis and how to cope with that and the one thing that I wish I had known more about was the suicide hotline and the crisis hotline when I was going through what I was going through. I wasn't necessarily suicidal, but I was definitely in crisis. And that night, I just think back on the night where I was having the panic attack and took myself to a hospital, I could have easily called the crisis hotline and had someone guaranteed there who was trained to help me get through the complete panic I was experiencing and that also became a form of therapy for me so I think that when you go through something like depression or anxiety it's so hard but you personally have to make the effort I could be just taking medication I could just be going to therapy all I wanted but I took I forced myself it was not easy I forced myself to make that extra initiative and take that extra step in making sure that I was doing whatever I could to never feel like that again. And believe me, if you're listening to this and you've had this before, you do not want to go through it again. And there are days where I still feel sad. I have off days 
and I start to freak out like, oh my God, what if I'm falling back into this? I've worked so hard to not feel like this, but there is a feeling that, but there is a notion of accepting the fact that you need to be forgiving of yourself and it's okay to have bad days. It's understandable to have bad days. And if you've gotten to this incredible point of healing, you can always get back to it again. And you just look back. I I mean, I look back at my journey right now and I'm like, oh my God, like how did I get here today? And when you see the level of improvement that you've had, that you've gone through, you really do feel proud of yourself. And I'm sure a lot of women, if you're listening, like you don't want to feel like the emotional person at work. You don't want to fit into that trope that people already might have about you, that you're the emotional one. You're the one who can't just make rational decisions. And so feeling like that in a work environment can be really nerve wracking and scary because sometimes panic is out of your control. And so you really have to just make sure you're doing everything you can to prevent those symptoms from coming back. I will say that I was lucky to have such a great response from antidepressants. I know for a lot of people, it takes a long time to find the right one. It took about six weeks for me to start feeling the effects, which is totally normal. Um, But You know, I think that it's a very eye-opening experience and you see what you want to do in life, which kind of sounds weird, but you really realize what makes you happy and what, and you appreciate, I mean, I feel like I've started to appreciate life and happiness a little more from going through this. That's not saying that I would ever wish this on my worst enemy. It's the worst feeling ever, (laughs) but it's also... A little crazy now to think back about how sad I was and that I didn't feel anything and that's nobody should ever have to feel that way and if you ever see someone going through this whether it's a work friend a close friend um, even someone at school don't be afraid to talk to them I know that a, a lot of people don't want to feel vulnerable and don't want to feel like they can't take control of themselves but if you ever see these symptoms in someone always ask if they're okay and listen the most important thing to do is just listen to them and understand them and be empathetic Um, empathy is so important and we lack that so much in our society Um, and it's, I mean, you can even take classes on it, which is a little crazy that some of us have to do that, but, (laughs) um, don't be afraid to give them the crisis hotline number, but also do not feed them with a bunch of solutions. If someone's feeling depressed, it's okay to be in that moment with them and feel the way they're feeling because most of the time when we're going through this, we just want to be heard. We just want someone to be in that space with us and feel comforted. And a lot of us feel like we have to always have the answer. We have to know, we have to fix people, but you're helping someone just by listening to them and just by paying attention to them. And, you know, I think it's just asking a bunch of open-ended questions and being welcoming and accepting. 
you know? It's not like, oh, God, you feel that way? Well, you should look at my friend. Like, no, this is about this person. (laughs) But I would love to hear if you guys have any coping mechanisms. If you're going through this, you're not alone. Just remember that if you've ever felt depressed, if you're feeling depressed right now, anxious, know that you're not alone. There's always someone there who wants to talk to you, who wants to listen to you. And you can be such a successful person even with a diagnosis of depression or anxiety. I get it. It feels completely hopeless sometimes. But I look back now and I'm like, I'm a badass. Like, I've been able to get through this. (laughs) And that's the greatest feeling in the world. And so if I can pass on any wisdom to you, it's to... Recognize it's okay to say you have a problem. Know it's okay to get help. Find your particular coping mechanisms. And if it helps, try to reach out to others and help others and listen to their stories. That was one of the main contributing factors to my healing process. And I recommend it to anyone. And it's, you know, I think it says a lot about you if you can help others and really talk about your own experience um, in the process. But now that I've had this super uplifting, not depressing at all podcast, um, I just want to say thanks for listening. Know that your mental health is more important than ever and people are talking about it more than ever. And it's always okay to talk about it, to be vulnerable Um, while still being a badass. So hope you guys have a wonderful week. I'm coming at you from Seattle, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.